If you're someone who has a passion for cut flowers, our environment, and wants to make the world more beautiful, you're in the right place. Whether you're growing flowers for pleasure or profit, I'm on a mission to empower flower enthusiasts and professionals to help change the world around them. Whether you're just starting out and need a helping hand, or are looking to scale a substantial flower business, I'm your cut flower woman. Welcome to the Cut Flower Podcast. I am delighted today to welcome Jenny Williams to our podcast. And Jenny is the owner of a Georgian walled garden, an amazing gardener. I know I followed on Instagram and the owner of a beautiful retreat must be on my 2024 wish list. I followed Jenny for quite a while and truly her surroundings are breathtaking. You want to see a sunset, sunrise, that's the Instagram you need to be on. So please, Jenny, tell our listeners a little bit about you, your background and how you got to where you are today. Just a bit about your journey. It'd be really interesting. Well, hello, Roz. Lovely to be on your podcast today. (laughs) Uh, Well, yes, my name's Jenny and I currently live at the Laundry Garden. Right. So I am a wife to Tom and I have three lovely sons. And my, my gardening life began in my twenties, uh, when I first got my own house. And I'm a hairdresser by trade. So creativeness <laughs> is kind of within me, I suppose, but on a different level. And. I got my first house and had my son. And when I was on maternity leave, I just had this burning urge to learn more about gardening because I had my own garden and it seemed natural to want to know more about that. And my history as in parents, my mum and dad separated when I was quite young. And my dad, he's... He's probably the gardening person and my grandfather, his father. My mum's side, there's not a shred of gardening in there at all. So, sorry, mum. <laughs> but on my dad's side, there's definitely more of the green fingers. So I'd like to think that that's probably where my roots come from on the quest for wanting to know more about how to have a beautiful garden and grow things and make it look pretty. So, so fast forward to learning about gardening. I was on maternity and making a little garden of my own and, and thought to myself, well, let's explore a bit more. And there was a start garden design course, a free one locally. And my aunt said, let's do this together. Let's go. So off we went. And it was, I think it was about a six to eight week course and really enjoyed it. And it just opened up my eyes on how, on how to plan a garden really. And it was all the basics and the simplicities of just plotting it out on a bit of paper. And, and I met, and also when you do these courses, you meet other people as well, who are just as keen as you are, who are sort of on that similar pathway to you, sort of hungry to learn more. And I used to find myself, honestly, if something was flowering, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if I'd go knock on that person's door and say, excuse me, what's that flowering in your garden? I really want to know what it is. (laughs) That curiosity was within me. And the beauty of being a hairdresser was that 
I had a lot of clients who were also keen gardeners as well. So my goodness, I would pick their brains, the poor people. <gasps> I would just go on and on about wanting to know more about gardening. And I'd found myself in my lunch breaks. I'd pop out to the local WI market or the greengrocers and just buy anything that was in flower. I was obsessed. <laughs> I really was. I just, and that obsession, obsession just kept on growing and I made quite a pretty garden. And then I changed to another hair salon and that's where I met Tom. Oh. Um, <laughs> he was the landlord. He, he owned the area and the building to where I was working. So I started cutting his hair and long story short, we then set up home together. And at the time he was living in a little two up, two down cottage, which had a postage stamp garden, but fields and fields around it that was owned by the family estate. And I said, let's make a bigger garden. Let's just, let's go crazy. And he said, yeah, okay then. And interestingly, he comes from a very strong gardening background. so. You can imagine the two of us together. The conversations is garden heaven. <laughs> so, so we created this beautiful garden and had our two sons, got married and did all the usual stuff. And we sort of outgrew our garden there. And it sort of became crunch time. And the house that we're in now, the old laundry, um, historically would have been the old dairy to the Flanrider Hall next door. So they would have had, they would have churned milk downstairs and the servants' quarters would have been upstairs. And then it became two flats. And when the hall was sold, his parents moved on and they kept hold of the outbuildings, including the laundry here and some fields and the walled garden, which was left, you know, it wasn't over, over, overgrown. You know, I think his father grew Christmas trees in there. They reared pheasants in there. And so it wasn't, it wasn't in a terrible, terrible state. So the two tenants that were in the house here, they died, unfortunately, within the space of a year. It's like serendipity, isn't it? I mean, you were just, it, it couldn't have happened at a more perfect time. It really couldn't. So we, we said to one another, well, now's the moment to either keep it as two flats or live in it as a home. And we thought, right, well, let's make the house ours and move down here. Let's renovate it and move down here. So we went through that painful process because it's a listed property. We had to wait for planning permission. And we, while we were waiting for the planning permission, we decided to do some work on the garden, as you do. And we just sketched on the back of a postcard and looked out from the within the house to the rooms of the parts of the garden and decided what we wanted to do and set about laying it out and planting it up. Literally just the house garden we call it now. And it's kind of it's kind of gone from there. We then renovated the house and moved in and carried on thereafter. It's quite an adventure to design like that and then to create something. So what does the plot look like now? Talk me through sort of. So it's separate. Well, yeah, this, the, you, we've, so you've got the house, the laundry house that we live in. And the first area we created was the immediate garden in front and the wall garden. So there's, there's a garden in front and then there's a wall 
And then there's the walled garden, which is of its own entirety, which is an acre in size. And then there's ah, a bit yeah. of a there's a bit of a woodland around the walled garden as well. And we've got a little small patch at the back of the house as well, which we landscaped back in 2000 and between 2016 and 2018 that we finished that. And we've just sort of done it bit by bit as and when time allows and when we can afford it. And it's, it's just been, and it, it's just been evolved. So it's sort of a mixture of formal with the hedges and the walls interspersed with romantic cottage style, the romantic being me, because I'm a romantic, Tom isn't. I inject the romanticism into this garden. I, I've just got a view of a walled garden. You could become a cut flower farmer in a walled garden. Because that's like, you know, oh, it's like paradise is walled garden because it's quite sheltered. Yeah, yeah. Well, funny you should say that. I met a girl called Hannah, um, well, over a year ago now, and asked her if she wanted to set up a little cutting patch in the southeast corner, which... Which is which is going okay, you know. It's 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 going to be a slow a slow proce- process because she's, you know, she's got lots going on in her life. But I think it's going to come to something in the next year or two. Now I think it's slowly, you know, taking off a little bit. So yes, but I do grow my own flowers as a sort of a hobby. I understand and appreciate the sheer work that goes into cut flower <laughs> farming, and I am not. I hold my hand up here. I'm not a seed sower at all. So this whole garden here has been propagation by division and accidental things that have just set seed naturally. And that's pretty much how we've managed to keep going with the garden really on that level. But I'm just not a seed sower. We don't have a greenhouse at all. And I kind of wing it a lot as well. And I think that's kind of my style. (laughs) And it works. You don't need a greenhouse or a polytunnel. You can have a window ledge. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't need, don't need a, an enormous amount. And what about direct sow seeds? You just open the packet and throw them in. We so, did that, actually. Yeah, we did that on one section inside the wall garden. And we had great fun, actually. We just got um, sort of cottage style uh, a seed packet and threw it underneath Portuguese laurels just to brighten up an area. And we had, it looked fantastic. It was brilliant. We wanted... We, it was purely by, we had a group, we had a, um, a group of people booked to come and see the garden in July. And sometimes the garden can, it's a bit of a transitional month here in July. You sort of go through that May, June bonanza and then sort of July and August is like a transitional month. And I panicked and had a complete wobble and thought we need something that's just going to bridge that gap. So we threw these seeds along this whole stretch along the west uh, opposite the west border and it was a complete success i was quite pleased actually yeah <laughs> see this gardening lark is easy isn't oh, it yes yeah, great <laughs> also i mean you we would have that gap in june we call it the june gap it actually exists between all your bulbs and everything coming and all your spring is finishing or your your is just going out into may and then nothing unless you put biennials in you've got a month of nothing really until yeah. you're then going into your summer flowers. So we call it June Gap. So it absolutely exists um, and it's planning for it. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So you've got, tell me about your business. You've got two Instagram accounts. So you've got one, which is obviously, t- tell me about them. They're, they're different. And you've also got the retreat there now. You're hiding that one under a bushel. <laughs> what, what? 
So yeah, I've got the Laundry Garden Instagram account, which has probably been going since about 2016. It started out as most Instagram accounts start out where you just take random pictures of random things that interest you and of your children and of your food. And, and then it morphed into something I could never imagined. It was, I still can't believe it now. It, I, I kind of look at the numbers and go, really? <laughs> <laughs> and it yes, it's so beautiful. It's very beautiful. That's why. Thank you. Well, it's matured. And I think a garden that sort of matured over years that has been planted by yourself, nurtured and looked after by yourself, you develop a real devoted love for it and you strive to maintain that and keep bettering it and expanding on it. And that's when the retreat was born because we wanted to share it with people. And we opened for the National Garden Scheme every other year and we thought, well, it would be nice to share it with people that could come and stay here and actually see the sunrises and walk around the garden in the evening and see the sun setting down past the walls inside the wall garden. So that's when we decided to put the two timber-framed roundhouses in. Both have windows and a deck that look out onto the Cluidine Hills at sunrise. And it's sort of gone from there, really. We What we didn't want was to be a slave to our garden. And when I say be a slave, we we wanted to, to still have it as a hobby and something we cherish and enjoy and, and enjoy with, our, with each other and our family and just small amounts of people coming in. So we opened to groups and we obviously have our roundhouse guests here. We didn't want to be a public garden because that would have taken away our enjoyment of it. And I don't think our children would forgive us either because oh. <laughs> I, I think I just think they like to, especially when they were a lot younger when they used to want to kick a ball around and, and just show their friends and stick a tent in the garden. And, you know, it's their garden too. And, and I didn't want to take that away from them either. So, so yeah, so the retreat account was born probably over a year ago now. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I thought, do I integrate that into my laundry garden account? I was in a bit of a dilemma. And, <laughs> and I, I thought, I've gone around my, this has gone around my head as well, actually, Jenny, I have to say. <laughs> it was. And so, and, and quite a few people sort of said, and I'd be interested to see what you say, actually. <laughs> uh, we thought because my aesthetics on my, on my laundry account were purely garden and sunrises and positivity. And I wanted to keep it that way and not tarnish that. And I thought a retreat account would be quite good to just have it separately. And then it has its own, its own following. But little did I know I was making more work for myself. (laughs) And, and I suppose I probably could have dropped in a few you can stay here or find another way around it, which I currently have. I'm about to set up a laundry garden website. Hurrah, finally. (laughs) And backlink the laundry retreat website because the retreat website has everything built into it. So you can book everything on that. 
So we can sort of backlink the two and the Laundry Garden website will hopefully become the host and the destination where everyone's going to go to. And hopefully they'll land on that and think, yes, I want to come and stay. I know. It's taken me. I think, I think the two are really closely linked. I think if you've got beautiful gardens, one of the one reasons that or one of the reasons people would come and stay is because it's um, quiet and peaceful and has a garden and they get beautiful sunsets and beautiful. That is really why they come, isn't it? Get, from a mm. from a kind of well-being kind of beauty kind of place. And because the Laundry Garden Instagram is a beautiful place to be. Also, the retreat is kind of facilitating that, allowing people to be in this beautiful place. So for me, I would have one Instagram account because I think they're pretty tough to do. And I don't think it has to be detracting from beauty because I don't think it does. I think the roundhouses actually are beautiful themselves. And I think just because you're taking a shot or doing a reel from the balcony or looking out on something, it's as beautiful. So it's kind of like, for me, it's all... It's all about beauty and all of it's beautiful. So, and also there's nothing to say that the people who follow you on the laundry garden won't come stay in the roundhouses. They mm. are the same people. They can be the same, not always, but they can True. be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people might not even know that you've got them and that you, you know, they're available and that why wouldn't they want to know about them? Mm. So, um, I don't know, from a marketing and sales hat, which I'm, I am, I would have one. Um, <laughs> But it's a hard one. It is a hard one because for me, it's the same as I've got an Instagram account and then I, I do funeral flowers. And, you know, it's really hard. And I do funerals and weddings. Let's say I do funerals and weddings. It's really hard to put yeah. funeral flowers against wedding flowers because one's joyous and one definitely is not. And so I don't want people to necessarily. So I start to call them farewell flowers for a start. And then I say, you know, that these are beautiful blooms and I concentrate. I don't concentrate on the the whole funeral bit which is horrid I mean it's horrid for everybody to go to a funeral so I have to I have to be very tasteful with that and I tend to put my heart into soul into funerals and that's the bit I concentrate on you know that we're doing something beautiful and creative and it's just a different reason of why we're doing it um because I did I've got a so I do put them on my main account because it's just too difficult and I don't tend to take an awful lot of photos of funeral flowers necessarily I might take the blooms or I might take parts of it I'm not going to necessarily take the whole coffin topper because it's not very pleasant. So you have to be quite careful when you mix two accounts together. But there are actually ways of doing it. It's still the same. It's still all me and it's still all what I work to do. It's just it's in different ways. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's a big leap of faith in believing in something and making it channel together and work. Really? have to do it slowly start sharing cross posting yes and i think i've i've sort of realized that the the usp for people to want to stay here is essentially the garden and the views that they get from the roundhouses so in a way why why wouldn't they go more onto the the garden website but we'll see We'll see how it. <laughs> oh, keep me posted on that. See one. how it, it is. A, it's a real conundrum, you know. <laughs> yeah, it is a real one. I, I I battle with it too because I do online courses on online education and mentoring, and and on one side of my business, all about gardening, and the other side of my business, I am a flower farmer, and we do weddings and funerals. But and I have two separate websites, so 
but I only have one Instagram account. But it is challenging. I have to say it's challenging because it's almost like you've got these two different brands going on. And yeah, um, exactly. It is. It is challenging. But um, yeah, perhaps somebody out there will have the answer to that one. Mm. So well, looking at business advice, you've got a thriving business there now. What three pieces of business advice would you give for anyone who's going into a business doing anything? Let's say they're going to set up as a flower farmer. I mean, whew, that's tough. Um, or they're going to set up as anything. What would you, what pieces, three pieces of advice would you give to anyone going into business? Stay with us. We'll be right back. The small business, do reels get you reeling? Is SEO just a three letters put together? Content planning something you know you should be doing, but just never get round to it. Do join our growth club online. What is it? It's a supportive community. It's all about growing your business. It provides trainings and guest speakers join us every month. Is it time to work on your business and not in it? The link for more information is in the show notes. I think one piece of advice is to always believe in yourself. I think you've constantly got to listen to what you want to do and stick with what you, you know, it's all, you can listen to everybody and talk to lots of people and get their ideas, but always stay rooted to what you genuinely want to do and believe in it and just go for it. I think that's a big thing for people because the market is so saturated with so many things of the same caliber, like there's lots of flower farmers, there's lots of, there's lots of retreats, there's lots of gardens, there's lots of everything but you somehow have to believe that you can stand out amongst them. And the more you believe in yourself, the more you'll shine. I honestly think that is something to, it's a lesson. that Because I think if you don't believe in yourself, then you're not going to jump up there and say, hello, this is me. No visibility at all. No, no. No, yeah. no. And I was talking to someone about that very thing this morning and and he was sort of saying oh you know I'm just I'm quite I'm shying away from this and 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 this leads me on to the number two of what I would say to people is to network networking I think is key to any business whatsoever I think for me it's been great I'm a people person anyway so being a hairdresser you're always in touch with people and you're in close contact with people, you're making them look beautiful, you know, and that conversation, you know, networking conversation, and then people remember you and then you come up in another conversation and so on and so forth. So I think networking is really, really important, you know, move in circles of your own, um, your own field. Yes. 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 And you know, you'll all learn from one another. I, and there is competition, but you can learn from that and you can help each other. I, when I was a hairdresser, our boss, we were on a road full of other hairdressing salons. Yeah, you, you, you can imagine. So the competition was rife, but there's enough people to have the haircut. You know, there's enough people to go round, but our boss because he's very competitive, he would send us down the street to do a recce to look, in, to look in all the windows of the hair salons to see how busy they were. 
I always say that to people. I say there's enough out. If there's no one else doing what you're going to do, be a little bit concerned because there might not be a market. And number two, you know, we all choose different brands for different reasons. There might be six hairdressers in Newport Pagnell. In fact, there probably is. So why do I choose one? Why do I stay loyal? Why do I go to the same one all the time? Do I go and look at the prices of all the others? No, I don't. Do I look in the windows of all the others? No, I don't. Have I ever booked with any of the others? No, I don't. Why do I choose the one I've got? Because I love the hairdresser. I love the brand. I love, she does a great job. Why would I want to go anywhere else? And she suits me, which is why I go there. Now, it might not suit everybody else, which is why there's more than enough room for everybody. And that's yeah. what I say to everybody. I say, don't uh, keep your eye on the competition. Go and have a look and see what's in. You wouldn't want it if there were 20 hairdressers in your high street. That might be a bit saturated. So keep a watch out for it. Um, but don't become obsessed with it and, and mm. think that there isn't enough business in there. I think competition is good because, you know, you can become a community together and help each other. And for instance, it, going back into the hairdressing scenario, if we ran out of something, oh, we've run out of a tint. Can you just nip down the road to that hair salon down there and get one? Yeah. And because we were all friends and we all knew each other, then yeah, we'd be like, yeah, there you go. There's a tint and make sure you bring it back the next day. And and it sort of saves you your biscuit in the end. And I would imagine that's the same in flower farming. Oh, you know, yeah, you can never oh grow everything. Yeah, yeah, all my all my seedlings have died. Hello, has anybody got some to share out to me? You know, so it's it's all you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And it it's it's a good thing to have a good community of other other people doing what you're doing. And I think the third thing is is to have a good brand and a good website that 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 showcases you and your business and it's a good landing platform for people and which is why I'm building this website for the laundry garden now is because it's all very well having a beautiful Instagram and it's and I'm very fortunate that mine has grown and doing so well. But I think people just want a little bit more. You know, it's all, you can see all my pictures and, and you know, get a bit of an idea on what's going on. But a website, you can go to town and you can really showcase a lot more of who you are and what you're about. And I think it's so important to have that. And you can have... a a, a big fancy website or you can sort of I think a website can be a bit like your garden it's your it's your platform it's sort of it's your way of expressing your, yourself so you know you can land on certain websites and they can be very simple and very measured and that is a reflection of that person my garden is a reflection of myself and, my, and Tom of what we've planted in it and what's, you know, what grows, what flowers, what trees. So it's sort of implementing that into your website, you know, plant those things and make it shine and make it speak volumes about you. People buy people. And I'm, I'm a big, believe, big believer in that. And if you can have a fantastic website, brilliant. Always, always, always is the way. Yeah, it's, that's really interesting. Because, and also I always say to people, don't forget that it's love. these social media platforms are lovely, but you don't own them. You don't yes. own them at all. Whereas your website, you do. Your domain name, you do. The email data you collect, the bookings you make, that's your communication platform, which is much closer to you than an Instagram account. Mm. Who The followers are lovely, but you don't know all of them intimately. You don't know where yeah. they're from necessarily. You can get a split of where they're from, but you're not. 
It's not the same as somebody's email address and when you're starting to have dialogue with someone, which is what our website's for. And I always say to people, please, 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 please build an email database and make sure you collect data because that's the bit you own. You don't own that own social media. Anything could happen. The algorithm could change tomorrow. And from going, you know, followers, I've got my followers are accelerating very quickly at the moment because something has happened to Instagram and it's woken up. And I just happened to have one piece of material that went viral and everybody woke up and it hit 1.2 million. And I have no idea why. And it wasn't anything particular. And it was just about a particular plant. And it's Verbena. Was that, and everybody was loves the Verbena one? Oh, yes. This one. <laughs> pretty, but it's not 1.2 million pretty. But, mm. but we have no idea why that is. We have no idea. So we're not in really in massive control. We're in control of another platform. The platform controls us. Great as it is, it does control us. Mm. And then you become really obsessed with it and it really controls you. So <laughs> what you nearly do, need to do is have data collection and, and it's brilliant. So yeah, yeah, I would always suggest. Yeah. I can't wait to see the new website. When's it out? Uh, we're, it's, it's built. I just need to fill it with. So I'm going to spend the rest of this afternoon writing bits and pieces to go on it. Uh, so, yes, I will let you know when it's live. It'll be, it'll be called The Laundry Garden. And it has got its own domain name, so we've got that sorted. And I'd like to hope we'll have it launched in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And you could, and you're obviously going to cross link the two together anyway, so that's yeah. where your crossover comes. So that's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to formulate some really nice newsletters and keep people up to date with what's happening here because people you can only put snippets on Instagram and you know 24 hours and they're gone and you can put them on your grid. But I mean, who's really paying much attention really so I think the real invested people and it'll give me a good measure of the real real followers as well the people that sign up to the newsletter like you just said which will be really nice for me because when I write a newsletter I will know that that newsletter will be going out to the real people that really are invested in here and what we're doing and so I'll I'll probably give them a bit more, you know, my favourite plants and what. I do. what yeah. So. I, I mean, our newsletters are full, like really full. These are jobs you should do in the garden this month. This is what we've been doing. These are the top five dailies we would recommend. Oh, I've read this book. Why don't you read this? Or oh, if you followed up on this podcast, there was an episode on this person. It's really great. So they get a lot, you know, a yeah. real lot. And we, we do them weekly. So it's quite a big commitment. Oh, but, gosh. I don't I think I could do weekly. <laughs> I think I think monthly for me, writing right. is my nemesis. Honestly, I don't really read much or write much. You give you shove a book under my nose, and it has to be a readable book in bite-sized pieces. I'm better with magazines actually, and lots of heavily based picture books that I can sort of relate to. Yeah. Um, but you know that's that's fine. You know we're not we're not all bookworms. You use, you'll have to use Chat GPT to help you. You have to use AI uh, to help you. Now you change nah. it. Nah, you can. No. I use I if I want <laughs> if I want an Instagram post and I'm just struggling for the right words, I will write it. I will put it in there. It will rewrite it for me. It'll give it back. I'll amend it and then I'll post it. So if I can't uh, come up with the words, I I find a quote that will <laughs> that I, so I'll search and search and search and find a really lovely quote. I'm I'm going to try and find a nice quote for my November post and probably put that in however I get moments where and interestingly I get really good interaction on some of my Sunday stills when I really do put quite a profound 
footnote caption in it. Um, the last one I put in was when I was on the train home from Westminster Abbey. My son had been singing there. And I just, we were sitting on this busy train and I just had this overwhelming feeling of pride for him and what's just happened. And and I just wrote a few little things down and it sounded really good. I thought, oh, that's really there good. You go. And because my son's an academic, I let, I got him to proofread. I always get my husband or my son to proofread some of my, my captions or anything I write. And he sort of looked at me and he nodded and I thought, Oh, I've got his approval. <laughs> yeah. So off I posted it and it and it actually did it performed really well because I think sometimes people resonate with the captions as well, don't they? Which is lovely. Yeah. Um not always not always with mine, just sometimes when I actually have a, a real light bulb moment like that one. So if I can't come up with anything, I'll just go and search for a lovely quote. <laughs> Stay with us. We'll be right back. The new Plants of Distinction Autumn Catalogue is now available and contains over a thousand different flower and vegetable seeds with over 150 new and exciting varieties added this year alone. Cut flowers in an extensive array of individual colours are a speciality and added to this are many unusual annual and perennial seeds together with the hard to find heritage favourites. So if you're looking for something little different be it choice cutting flowers suitable for both fresh and dried arrangements or cottage garden and container growing varieties, you need look no further. You can download or request a copy of the new autumn catalogue by visiting the website plantsofdistinction.co.uk where an exclusive 30% discount is available to all podcast listeners when ordering seeds by using the discount code CUTFLOWER. 30. I'll remember that one. I should go looking for one. Yes. So what do you think what do you think has been your biggest challenge to date so far? In the garden. Just generally. Um restrain. <laughs> it's you have to put me in a restraining coat most of the time in this place because my head I've got so much buzz going around in my head and the energy restraining all of that. Tom is my devil's advocate and he is the man who has to sort of, and he needs restraining sometimes, but I really, really need restraining. There's nine years between us. And so you can imagine I've got, he's that little bit older and wiser than me. And I'm still this, this force that just wants to go look, round everything like a whirlwind going, I want to do this, I want to do this. Can we build this? Can we do that? And if we go somewhere or we see something or a magazine arrives and I'll think, oh, that garden, could we do something like that in our garden? And Tom will be like, oh, for goodness sake, woman, just calm down. <laughs> so I think the biggest challenge is to restrain ourselves on slowing down and pacing ourselves with the whole thing, with anything with life, with the garden. And the garden has been an amazing teacher to do that here and just to say, no, this will just have to stay in its box for a little bit and we'll come back to it when we can afford it or when we have time. But maybe we can do that little section over there instead that we do have a bit more time for and energy and and everything in this whole garden has been planted very, very small. So we've it's been a very long, long game 
but it's been it's been really worth it in the long run and it's been I've enjoyed it as well I've always said <laughs> I've always joked with the children this garden is like our fourth child my fourth child <laughs> because you know we've we've nurtured it from the small saplings seedlings shrubs everything you know everything that we've planted has been on the smaller side and it's taken until now what nine ten years later with a lot of things where we can sort of sit back and go wow and I think our boys see it too and they have that pride when they show their friends you know they all tell and it it really gets me emotional because I took my son for a photo shoot the other day because he's having, he's going to have a little bash at modeling and he kind of stared at me and said, are you going to tell how many Instagram followers you've got? And I'm going, no. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's so sweet. You know, he actually sort of wanted me to tell someone. And I think deep down, although they joke at me, they, they do actually like the fact that their mum has a, a decent Instagram following, but for the right reasons. And to me, I'm, I'm, we've created something here that hopefully they can enjoy when we're long gone as well. Well, I mean, I just, that made me smile what you just said there, because I got this today, this afternoon for my eldest daughter, who's a quite, she's a corporate lawyer, so she's quite straight. Yeah. And it's obviously she got something internally from another lawyer. And it said, do you ever think your mum is an influencer? Because she is. And then she said, does she have somebody doing it for her? Her content slaps whatever slaps is. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I've obviously got slap content. Nice. Whatever that means. Yep. <laughs> Just like, okay, whatever you think. But if, yeah. that, if you can inspire them and they look at it eventually and think, you know, they're not openly going to say they're inspired by you. But if, they, if you, they do at the end of the day, then that's all you could ask for. Yeah, yeah, true. So you're not a great bookworm, but you do like magazines. I've got, what do I do? Gardener's World, Gardener's Illustrated, RHS Gardener, and I've got hundreds of copies. And I'm sure I don't need all those copies. But, um, yeah, I'm a great magazine reader in the bath, really. Yeah, yeah. Do you listen to any podcasts? Do you read much? What do you do? What do you get your inspiration? Well, when when I was on the road... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a had a little listen to your podcast. Of course, uh, I listened to Tom Coleman, Sip and So. That's that's doing great. And Adam, Mike the Gardener. Yeah. Um, that's about it, really. I've sort of dipped in and out. I mean, obviously, because we've got holiday accommodation, I'll occasionally listen to sort of any TED talks or any little um, podcasts. Mm. But you're not a great book person. You more stick with a magazine. What would be your go-to I, magazine? I mean, I do. Yes, I do. I do like books, but if they're if they're sort of, you know, I've, I love Lucy Hunter's books. If you got Lucy the Flower Hunters, uh, I've just I went over to see her last week and got her latest book off her, and oh, it's just so she's just everything about her: her house, her garden, herself, her writing. It's just like poetry, isn't it? <laughs> and that is definitely a book that I've I've enjoyed reading through and it's sort of a mixture of her poetic writing and then some beautiful dreamy pictures and so those kind of things and any inspirational things. 
but I've got next to me here, I've got the English Garden magazine, which is lovely. Garden Gardens Illustrated um, is also a great uh, magazine. So, yeah, I'm not, I, I sort of like to dip in and out of things, really. I was given a book. Now, someone managed to sum me up quite well. Um, when I broke my ankle uh, back in 2019, an Instagram follower of mine who happens to be a garden designer sent me a book through the post. And it's called If I Could Tell You Just One Thing by Richard Reed. And it's basically encounters with remarkable people and their most valuable advice. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. And it's one of those books you can just pick up, skim through, put down, pick up whenever you sort of need some inspiration from anyone. For instance, I'll open a page on it here. Um, Dame Judy Dench. And there's just a little section of what she said. I'll read it out here. Look for the pulses in life. Being negative completely erodes everything. If something bad happens, I always say, cancel and continue and get back on track. Love that woman. Yeah, me too. I shall remember that. Yeah, maybe that's just a bit of inspiration every so often. Yeah. I, will all, I, I will order that book today, actually, because um, I am having a knee up. And as I'm recovering, I will probably be going through oh, times where tough things are going to be tough. So. Um, Maybe it'll give me some inspiration while oh. I'm lying on the sofa. You you can just literally open the book at any page and start reading because there's always somebody in there that you you can think, oh wow, I wonder what they've got to say about something. And it's it, you know Richard Branson, um, and, and to name a few. And it's it's uplifting because you think you know they've all been there, they've all been through it one way or another, but somehow yeah. something in the back of their mind has always sort of kept them going and you think I wonder what that thing is and it's fascinating really fascinating yeah order it and I shall keep you posted oh definitely don't message you so three <laughs> quick questions to finish with what's your favorite flower well that's like asking what my favorite which my favorite oh, child is that's really mean and I and think you're gonna say oh, I love them all for different reasons <laughs> I have a favorite flower for every season is that yeah. if that's fair so, yeah. you know, I love hellebores because they brighten up those winter months and give you hope for, you know, what's to come. Obviously, I love roses because they're absolute divas and they're beautiful and they're smelly. And you've just got to really look after, we have to look after ours quite a lot, but we don't have the perfect soil conditions for them. We're not on clay. So we do have a bit of a regime to keep them intact. And of course... Dahlias came into my life about five or six years ago and they've just sort of, once the roses go over, I love peonies as well. They're another diva as well that are fairly, they're short, they're short in their lifespan, but their leaves on some of their, on some of the peonies now are beautiful and they yes, can be used in flower displays. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah. So they do have a bit of a double give to them and also and then, they'll probably outlive us because they live 75 years as long as a donkey i yeah. remember peonies live as long as donkeys and so actually they will be there when we are not if we yeah. plant one today they will be there when we are not and that gives me some sort of like hope and some sort of like well they're much stronger than you give them credit for mm, yeah amazing amazing there's one lady i i do a hair i go to her house and she's got 
this really long peony border that I drool over. And, I, and every time I go to her house, I have a little word with her gardener and say, any chance you could dig up a section of some of those peonies for me, please, <laughs> one day. Going I know, over just a bit of division. I'd love some in my garden. Please, 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 please. So one day I might get some clumps from her. And of course, the dahlia. We, who can't love a dahlia? And I think dahlias would come top, top, top on my list if they had a scent, if they had a fragrance to them. Yes, yes. If only they could produce a dahlia sort of flower that had a fragrance, they would become a millionaire overnight. <laughs> Some sort of hybridisation. And there's a couple that have got a little scent, but not really. No. 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 No, they're just beautiful with no scent. Yeah, yeah. So a couple so, more questions. What was your childhood dream job? What did right, you want to be when you were in right, school? Promise me you won't laugh. You mustn't laugh I at probably this. will. You Go probably on. will. I wanted to be a trolley dolly. I wanted to be an air hostess. Well, this is really going to make you laugh because I did a podcast today with Jan Ford and I follow her. I mean, you need to follow her on Instagram. Oh, I love, yeah, I follow yeah, Jan. Her yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Mm. She has this way of taking photographs that life is beautiful, isn't it? So I spoke yeah. to her and do you know what her dream job was? Go on. <laughs> Do the same as you. No. Oh, she's a woman of my heart. I love her even more now. Love her even more now. That's absolutely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It doesn't necessarily mean that I want to travel as much now. I don't have that desire as much as I did when I was back when I was a teenager. I just had this great idea of myself being up on an aeroplane. Now, oddly, my youngest son loves flying yeah he's he's um he can he can fly a uh, little um light uh aircraft things so he's got he's yeah i know he's an air cadet bizarre isn't it and he had a fascination with airplanes so there's something going on there but he won't be i think he would never be a pilot he's too clever to to what he was he's got he's got bigger ideas to pursue but um yeah so being up in the air how bizarre very bizarre how life would have been different yeah so if you win the lottery tomorrow what are you gonna do oh saturday what would you do with all that money less than 200 million or something would be nice wouldn't it what would you do i would i would scoop up my boys and and everyone and i would shut the retreat or i would find someone to live in my house and run keep the retreat going and i would i would love to tour the gardens of the mediterranean and go to Tuscany and and learn a bit more about planting over there and try and get to grips with how we can implement that in our garden. If the truth be known, this garden here could quite easily absorb a couple of million if we if yeah. we it could, or more, seriously. And so we have a pond uh just on the other side of a field that needs serious work doing to it we could sink a million into that you know so i think i would just want to possibly i'm so happy ros i am genuinely comfortable where i am what i'm doing and i don't yearn for anything and i think if i did win the lottery i'd 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 give some to my family and some friends that need it and maybe do some big projects here and rewild and and just and just enjoy life. But I wouldn't want things to change. I really wouldn't. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like life's 
why change what's great? Um, I think it, it's it's nice to sort of have a, have a pot of money to save for a rainy day because you just don't know what's around the corner. So I, I wouldn't want to go spending it all either. I'm just, I'm just, I'm quite happy. I wouldn't want anything to change. No. <laughs> Really lovely. So what next? What's plans for 2024 on your to-do list? More garden projects. So we're just about to embark on an area in the garden that we've talked about for a long time, but we've shelved it and sat on it and sat on it. And it's in the, it's the southwest corner inside the wall garden. And it's slightly been an area where it needs, it needs, because it's in a corner, it needs two focal points. And yeah. it needs a bit of work doing. It needs, and sort of this year, we've sort of managed to get our heads around it a little bit more. It's weird because this whole garden has evolved with moments where we've had a light bulb section and gone, right, we can do that. That's going to work there. We'll do it. And then other things we've had to sit on them for quite a while and just draw blanks. And this particular corner has been a corner that we've we've drew blanks for for a while. And the one thing we don't have in this garden is water. We don't have any water features. And Tomzo shied away from them anyway because they're, they're difficult to maintain, actually. <laughs> and when Gardener's World came here, Joe Swift said to us, don't do any water features. They're a complete nightmare. I love water features. He said they're a complete nightmare. I love the sound nightmare. of it. I yeah. love the sound of it. But to get a really good construction of one, and be, when you're dealing with the scale that we have in the wall garden with those great big 11 foot high walls and things have to look really in proportion. proportion. Yeah. And you can make the very big mistake of putting things in too small and it just looks completely wrong. And we've come across an old water drinker in, in our field here. And we're going to carry it in there. We're going to have a play and we're going to sit at the table and sketch. And I'm going to document it on my YouTube channel and also snippets on Instagram and obviously on my website. And it's going to be, it's going to be great fun. And crocus are on board, so they're going to su supply the planting. And it's going to be a great project to get our teeth into that it, it's one of those projects that will either, it'll be sort of quick, slow. So we'll, we'll, do a section of it and then we might have to sit on it for a little bit because I've, I've sort of said to Tom I think we might need to do some cobbling here because we've got cobbles that we can reuse as well and I know I know poor Tom doesn't like the thought of having to do some cobbling because <laughs> it's it really plays havoc with his knees because he's having to kneel a lot and lay the cobbles out methodically but I think you know there's going to be elements that we may have to just wait for a little bit but get our heads around how the water feature is going to be because the water feature will be the focal point in that section. As you walk along the west border, the water feature will greet you at the top. And um, so we just want to, we want to get that right as best as possible. So we're going to be working on that over the, over the winter until we I open. I have to in come the to the opening of the water feature. Because actually, I love water features. Joe Swift, oh. sorry, but I love water features. And they are a pain. I want to actually put a massive one in the middle of our front lawn, just so you go up 
And then you have a massive water feature and then you have a bench on either side and you just sit there and ponder and look at the water. I've built a pond for exactly that reason. And even where my study is, where I'm working, I have a water feature just outside um, that I put on in the summer and I just sit here and listen to water. I just like that whole, well, I was obviously born to be a fish or something, but yeah, <laughs> definitely water feature. So can I come to the opening of the water yeah. feature? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Brilliant. Jenny, thank you very much for coming over today. We could have talked all day. And you do make me laugh that you thought about being a trolley dolly, as we used to call it. It's cabin crew now. We have to be much posher now. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Not trolley dollies, we knew. But I will be telling Dan Porth that you wanted to be. (laughs) Maybe there's a a theme here that everybody comes as a guest wanting to be cabin crew. We'll have to start thinking about that one. Yeah. I didn't actually. I never wanted to be a cabin crew. There you go. I wanted to be a doctor, yeah. and I'd have been the worst doctor on this planet because oh, oh. I just—I would have just been dreadful. Well, I mean, I had none of the skills necessary to be a doctor at all, or the brain power. There was just a no-no. Um, but it's funny what you think you can want to be when you grow up. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> so lovely. Thank you for joining me. Oh, I will thank you see for you at the opening of the water feature. Oh, thanks for having me, Roz. Thank you very much. I look forward to next week's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review on your podcast app. We do have some wonderful free resources on our website at thecutflowercollective.co.uk. We also have two free Facebook communities, which we'd love you to join. For farmers or those who want to be flower farmers, we have Cut Flower Farming, Growth and Profit in Your Business. And our other free Facebook group is Learn with the Cut Flower Collective for those starting out on their flower journey. All of the links are below. I look forward to getting to know you all.